0: Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. If we haven't met, my name is Andrew. I have the privilege of pastoring this amazing church and uh, growing church. And one of the things that is so important for us is that we're always one size too big. You know, like when, uh, you, I don't know if you've been shopping with kids. I've got th- uh, My wife and I have three kids and you're always buying one size too big so that you can grow into it. So the things that we're doing, we're always leaving a bit of room. And you might think, oh, well, I'm not quite sure about how that's going to work out. It's okay. We'll grow into it. And that's uh, an amazing part of being, learning what it is to be family together. There's a couple of ways that you can do church. One is you can just come in the door, give someone a high five, a handshake, walk out the door, back to the rest of your week. But the other way is you can learn what it means to follow Jesus and to do life with a group of people who are doing the same. And that's what we're about. As a church, I'm going to invite someone up to the front who is an amazing person. If you have not met Twinkie, you are about to hear a little of her story. Why don't you give her a round of applause? I'm going to take this microphone here. Nice. Nice. Well, first of all, Twinkie, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are from originally, and what you are doing in Brisbane. Okay,
1: so hi, my name is Twinkie Polius. Honestly, that's my name, because usually when I tell people that my name is Twinkie, they ask to see my birth certificate, <laughs> or like my ID card or something. I had to do that once in the street when I, when someone asked me my name, and they're like, you're joking. Can I have a look at your ID? And I was like, oh my gosh, really? But yes, my name is Twinkie Polius, and I'm from the Caribbean, and a beautiful tropical island called st lucia mm. i know that you have a st lucia in brisbane but that's not where i'm from i'm from the i think your st lucia
0: is better than our st uh, lucia
1: don't take me on the wrong note but yes yeah it is um what i'm doing in brisbane now um i'm with youth with a mission i'm um, short informed formed ywam and i have a commitment of two years and what we're what YWAM is, if you're not sure, it's a mission organization that equips, trains, and mobilizes young people into going out into the world and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, right now, I am responsible at YWAM for the local ministry department, and I, to say, I am the liaison or the connect person um, that put teams together, mobilise teams to go out into the community of Brisbane to help out in whatever way possible. So if you sitting here needs some help in some way, I'm right here. You can contact me and I'll mobilise a team, equip them in going out and helping out in whatever way that is. Yeah.
0: Um, so tell us a little bit about your story, um, about your family and growing up.
1: So I wasn't brought up in a Christian home by that. I mean, my mom and my dad, they knew of God. They knew that there was Jesus and he was a loving, kind person. But there was no relationship with Christ or with Jesus or with God in my home. Growing up, I would say that my parents loved me. Like They loved us. I have a younger sister who lived with me and they loved us. But... Uh, My household was not so healthy because my father was very abusive to my mom. So we would always see my father hitting on my mother. That's what I grew up with. Also, with that, my mom was mm, not at home all the time because of the way that she worked. She was a baker, and I'm not sure why it was so, but she worked 2 o'clock in the morning until night. So when I'm asleep, she's awake, and when I'm awake, she's asleep. So I did not really have a relationship with her, but my dad was a farmer, which meant he would go out into his farm, do his work, and then come home. So that's the, f- the parent figure that I saw the most, and that's the one that I had a closer relationship with, even though he was the abusive one towards my mom. I was not a very, I was not the brightest or the smartest girl in the school. Um, I was labeled mentally retarded, which meant that I could not read very well, I could not write very well, it was very hard for me to grasp anything academically. And I can remember that one instance in my class where my teacher, she placed that sum on the board, the mathematics sum, you know how that is with maths. Those who love maths, God bless your heart. But it wasn't one of my strong suits. And she placed that sum on the board and she called me, Twinkie, please come on the board and you need to figure out this sum. And I'm coming in front of that board. It looks like a mountain to me because I have no idea what to do next. But what happened next was what really changed my life. Because this teacher, I could not do the sum, she looked at me and said, Twinkie, this is why you will never mount up to anything in life. And when she said that to me, I really believe that she was true. Because I'm thinking, if my teacher is saying that I will never mount up to anything in life, she's the one who ought to say to me, go on, high five, Twinkie, you can do better. But she's saying that I will never mount up to anything. Well, she must be very correct. I thought that she hit the nail right on the head. Also, I'm thinking, hey, my mom is never around. My dad is very abusive to my mom. I never got the I love you Twinkie from my mom or from my dad. I never got that hug. I never got that love. And so my my life was going at a spiral, and I was searching. I was looking for love. I was looking for acceptance. I was looking for want someone to say, there is something good for you. There, there is a bright future ahead of you. But I never got that. And I really thought that what this teacher said to me, this was who I am. Someone who will never mount up to anything in life. Because there was no one else to tell me anything else. But this is not the end of the story. I do not want you all to feel like, oh my God. You know when... The, the creator has said something positive and speak, had spoken so much great things into that thing that he created. Someone who did not create that thing would say, well, you, you're, not, you're useless, you, you're nothing. But what the creator says is much, it holds much weight than what someone who did not create it said. This, let me go on a journey with you. So there was this night, we were having a crusade in my community think we know what a crusade is that's when yeah a church goes out to speak the word of God and I felt so heavily on my heart that I needed to go to my grandmother's house but my mom had told us that if it's night do not go out on your own because it was a fair good walk to get to my grandmother's house but there was that heaviness on my chest like I needed to go to my grandmother's house but I had no reason why so I said, you know what, this is, this is pressing on me too much. I need to go to my grandmother's house. Of course, it was a setup by God. Going to my grandmother's house, I stopped and there was this man preaching. I do not know him from nowhere. Of course, I don't have any relationship with God, with Jesus. I don't know anything. But this young man, he was speaking and it's like he's speaking to me. He's saying, you've been searching for love. Many people have said to you that you'll never amount to anything. But Jesus Christ loves you. And I'm saying, what? Who are you? Dude, I don't know who you are. Who told this guy about my life? I do not know who you are. Why are you speaking to me that way? Who are you? Like, of course, I know now that it was God using him to speak through me. And right there at this crusade, I received Christ as my personal savior. I never got to my grandmother's house. It was a setup. God set me up. I knew in my heart of hearts that something was missing. I could not put my finger on it, but when I accepted Christ, it's like everything just made so much sense. I couldn't explain what made sense, but I knew that it made sense. Accepting Christ, it was still very difficult for me because then I was the only one saved in my family, and my mom, and my family gave me an expiration date. They said, I gave you two weeks. Two weeks to serve the Christ that you say that you're serving, and then we will see what happens after that. It's been many years and I'm here, I'm still serving, thank God. I was the one that they called when my grandmother was on the dying bed. And I think that's where the breakthrough came through with my family. On my grandmother's dying bed, you know when you lost, like you have no hope and the only thing you see that you can grab onto, you hold on? So they called me. They're like, um, can, you, can you pray with, with, with her because she's dying? And thank God, God's amazing grace that I was the one to lead my grandmother to Christ on her dying bed. I continued leaving and I continued pressing on because I knew that I had the answer. And despite I got the expiration dates or I got the ridicule from my friends and they think that I'm better than them or why do I have to do that? And, you know, I just I knew that receiving Jesus Christ in my life, that was what I I needed. That was the answer. And I held on to it. I held on to it. And I continued to pray and to seek God. A month ago, my dad called and told me that he got saved. Before I, came, before I came to Australia, because I've been here for a year, three months after I came here, my mom said that she received Jesus Christ in life because she figured out that it was time for her to give up herself. And I'm like, God is just blowing my mind with the things that he's doing. And just because I said that, yes. He said, I know you said yes, but I'm going to respond yes to everything else that you're connected with. Everyone else that you're connected with. And God has just been continually just blowing my socks off, as people will say, as we say back home. That means he's doing a lot of stuff. It has been the best decision that I've made. Although it was not the easiest one. But it has been the best one because it has been so rewarding. And I am grateful to God for that, that, that thing that he said to go to my grandmother's house and me just having to go... And obeying just that urge and accepting him right there. I remember in accepting Christ, I can remember so vividly that one thing that I said to him. After I accepted him, I said, God, I want to be the mightiest young person for you. I can remember that so vividly. Let me tell you, when you say something like that to God, he's like, okay, check, let's go, let's do this and every time i feel like i just want to give up because it's too much or it's just too pressing it's just too challenging that comes to my mind hey remember when you said that you wanted to be the mightiest young person for me let's do this you know and it's just being really good that's really encouraging so i pray that with this testimony that it will not only it's not something that god is doing only in me but there is something in each and every one of you that God has done and is doing so my encouragement is to hold on to that 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 God has done or that thing that God has said to you because he's truly a God of his word he's truly a God of his promises
0: wasn't that so good thank you so much Twinkie for, for sharing your your story we're in the midst of a a series uh, called The World of Words. And so we're talking about the power of our words. You know, a lot of our environments and our atmospheres are shaped by the words that we speak and the words that we receive. And so part of this story, it's an amazing story. Why? Because of Jesus and because of the power of saying, yes, I do to Jesus, But it's also a super sad story because of the damaging words that were spoken to Twinkie. When she was in school being called retarded, being told that she would never amount to anything. And my opening question today is why is it so easy to agree with damaging words? I don't know if you've got something in your history, in your past where somebody has said something to you, probably somebody that you don't like, probably somebody that you don't respect, but for some reason, what they have said has landed deep within you. It's gone in through the ears and it's found its way deep within you into your heart. I remember one time, uh, a boss telling me that nobody liked me. Andrew, nobody likes you. That's encouraging. Come, come to work. Let's go. Okay, enjoy the rest of your day. You know, we've all got stories. Probably we've got stories of saying something that we regret or saying something that we didn't mean. But why is it so easy for us to give a permission to a word that was spoken and to internalise that deep down when it's not truth? Why do we put so much faith in somebody's words? I don't know what it is about the way that we are wired, created, sometimes often with authority figures, with Twinkie and her story, her teacher saying, well, if my teacher says that I won't make anything, well, then I will put faith in that. And sometimes we just think about the language of faith in terms of like spiritual stuff, right? in terms of like, oh, come to church and talk about faith, but we put faith in a lot of things. And sometimes we misplace our faith by believing that a damaging word that somebody has said over you is truth. And we begin to orientate our life on that basis. We begin to make decisions on that basis. Why? Because we put our faith and our trust in that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this because what happens is when those words go deep within us those damaging words they cause us pain you know that saying sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me all right is that true has that been true in your life that's the opposite probably sometimes for us we've been most hurt by the words that have spoken so these damaging words Sometimes we're giving them permission, they're coming through our ears, they're landing in our heart, and they're causing us grief, they're causing us distortion, they're causing us disruption, and it's not right. And so my second question is, what do I do with all this pain? Now this could be the pain of uh, these words, and that's primarily what I'm talking about, that, but you could also apply this to say, what do I do with the pain of life? If we were to go around and ask people's different stories we would hear some stories of pain we would if we would get people to share we would probably start to to cry and begin to feel people because you know whilst we're all like uh, well dressed and and smiley and happy, happy that there's deep down some stuff that's gone off in the history and some of it's resolved and some of it's not resolved and there's all this pain it's one of the great contradictions of christianity that we have to work through this idea of pain because we know from the bible we know from our experiences that god is good but when we look at our world sometimes when we look at ourselves sometimes when different things happen to us that are not right and not fair we've got we, we know that God is good, but actually what we see and what we feel and what we experience is pain. And so I think it's really important for us as a group of people who want to follow Jesus to talk about a couple of things, the bigger questions, where is God and why? But the question that I want to mainly focus, and the thing I want to fo- focus on is how do Jesus followers deal with with pain. How do we deal with pain and how, does that, how do we process words and how do we use our words to process our emotion and the pain that's going on? One of the common ways that we do this is through something called venting. And venting is an outlet of strong expression and emotion about an issue. So venting, who here is known to have the odd vent? Uh, okay, there's some, there's some <laughs> slightly painful faces, some reluctant things. There's some waves, I'm a venter, hello. Uh, we'll get some name tags next week. Um, volcano. The volcano, yes. But here's what I want to say, and here's what I'm going to talk about. This is my statement, don't just vent, Lament. So I'll unpack that and I'll explain that. In the Psalms, which is a massive book in the middle of the Bible, and the big questions, not of the why of pain, are answered, but the big question of how to pray through pain is answered. And the lament is a pattern for prayer through pain. Now, interestingly... Of the Psalms, there's a lot of them. A third of them are personal lament. So this is important because this is a pattern for prayer that helps us to deal with pain and is super, super helpful. Now, venting. I'm not totally against venting, but I just want to say that I'm going to show you a pattern The the issue with venting is that if you just vent, it will be incomplete. You know, sometimes uh, if you've vented, like sometimes if if I've, you know, just spoken to some things about with my wife, sometimes I feel lighter, but she feels heavier or the other way around, you know. So venting is not bad, it's just incomplete. And we'll talk about that, about praying through pain and a lament pattern of prayer. The thing that's really unique about the lament prayer is it encourages us, invites us and models models to us to be real about how you feel and to protest your pain. I like this word, protest your pain and vent. So to protest is to object to your pain with detail. So we've got a couple of uh, lawyers so they know what it is to make a case. You're essentially making a case against your pain. Has anyone ever heard the story of a Continental Airlines passenger, passenger in 29E? Has anyone heard that? A couple of years ago, uh, this w- went viral. This is an actual letter that was written to Continental Airlines on April the 13th, 2005, which is quite some time ago now. And this is an example of protesting pain with detail. So here's a copy of the letter up there. And it says this. It says, Dear Continental Airlines, I am disgusted as I write this note to you about the miserable experience I'm having sitting in 29E on one of your aircrafts. As you may know, this seat is situated directly across from the lavatory, so close that I can reach out my left arm and touch the door. All my senses are being tortured simultaneously. It's difficult to say what the worst part about sitting in 29E really is. Is it the stench of sanitation fluid that's blown all over my body every 60 seconds when the door opens? Is it the whoosh of the constant flushing? Or is it the passengers, and I've edited this, butts that seem to fit into my personal space like a jigsaw puzzle? I constructed a stink shield by shoving one end of a blanket into the overhead compartment while effectively blocking at least some of the smell and offering a small bit of privacy while the butt on my body factor has increased as without my evil glare passengers feel free to lean up against what they think is some kind of blanketed wall. The next butt that touches my shoulder will be the last. I'm picturing a boardroom full of executives giving props to the young promising engineer that figured out how to squeeze an additional row of seats onto this plane by putting them next to the lav. I would like to flush his head in the toilet that I'm close enough to touch and taste from my seat. Putting a seat here was a very bad idea, I just heard a man groan in there. (laughs) Worse yet, I've paid over $400 for the honour of sitting in this seat. Does your company give refunds? I'd like to go back where I came from and start over. See, 29E could only be worse if it was located inside the bathroom. <laughs> I wonder if my clothing will retain the sanitising odour. What about my hair? I feel like I'm bathing in a toilet bowl of blue liquid and there's no man in a little boat to save me. I'm filled with deep hatred for your plane designer and a general disease that may last for hours." We are finally descending, and soon I'll be able to tear down the stink shield, but the scars will remain. I suggest that you initiate immediate removal of this seat from all your crafts. Just remove it and leave the smouldering brown hole empty. A good place for sturdy, non-absorbing luggage, maybe, but not human cargo. So actual letter, obviously, uh, a little bit of fun there. But here's what lament does. It encourages us to be real about how we feel and to protest our pain and vent. And I know for me growing up in the type of churches that I did, this is not usually my pattern for prayer. But are we okay to challenge our existing patterns and our existing ways of dealing with pain based on the patterns that the bible reveals to us for me growing up um i i didn't quite always know that it was okay to talk to god about my pain i thought well he already knows because he's god and if i talk about my pain am i complaining and uh, so what we see is this different pattern and praying through prayer and so I'm going to talk, I'm going to give you an example from Psalm 22. But here's how it starts. It's a pattern for praying through pain. Number one, make it personal. Start with my God. He is your God. He cares. That's the approach. That's what's so important. The next is be real how you feel. Protest your pain and vent. Ask for help. Be specific. Agree with the goodness of God. I think this is really important to list his promises and perspective. And then praise God before change, after change by yourself and with others. And we're going to have a look at Psalm 22. It's a powerful psalm. It's a psalm of David, and it's a model of praying through pain. And so why is it, I think, one of the best examples is because we actually see Jesus quoting this when he's dying on the cross. Probably one of the most painful ways that you can die, excruciating pain, rejection, separation, and Jesus quotes this prayer of lament. What does that say to us? It says this is a good pattern for us as Jesus followers to think about how we process and deal with, With our pain. So it starts out like this Psalm 22, verse 1 to 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. Can we be real? that being a christian following jesus it's not an immunization from pain or from hardship or from disappointment and this is this is real talk this is the real expression this is protesting and saying god i don't know where you are have you ever felt that have you ever been in a season have you ever been alone And you know somewhere, maybe your head, maybe your heart, that God is real, but you can't feel him. And it's okay to pray like this. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far? Why? I'm crying out in anguish, but you don't answer, and I get no rest. And I think in some way, all of us have experienced this. Sometimes we think our prayer is thanking, asking, and saying sorry. But this is a different type of prayer. It's a pouring out of your heart and your emotion and talking to God and being real about how you feel. Sometimes growing up, I I, I thought that this kind of prayer would affect your faith. So if you say like this, well, then you're not speaking words of faith. And words of faith are important. We'll get to that. But what I want to emphasize is this validity of just pouring out yourself and your heart and your emotion to God. Next one. Here's something that's super interesting in Psalm 22. I don't know if anyone likes a a good bar or column chart, maybe you do, maybe you don't, doesn't really matter. (laughs) It's not totally to scale, okay? (laughs) Here's what I want to point out, I'm going to go even all the way over here. The large majority of it is protesting pain and venting. What does this say? It says, get it out, let it out. Take as long as you need to express your emotion to God. It's okay to talk about your pain. Don't assume that God knows how you feel. He does know how you feel. But if we're in relationship with God, then as you would talk to a friend who cares about you, you can talk about how you feel. You have permission to talk to God And this prepares the way for healing and renewal. It's not angry or wallowing, but you can be detailed. You can sit a little while and you can get it off your chest. Here's what's surprising, and this really surprised me, because this is not my experience growing up, that God's okay to listen to it. God is okay for you to pour out your heart and your pain because this is the pattern. And I want to encourage you that what we're talking about is a place of prayer that is lament. I definitely don't encourage you to go lamenting everywhere with everybody. This is a place of prayer, sometimes with a friend, sometimes with a trusted person. But this is something that allows you to make progress and deal with your pain. So I read the first part couple of things i won't go through the whole thing verse 3 says yet you are enthroned as the holy one this is uh david speaking you're one of the, the one israel's praises in you our ancestors put their tru- ancestors put their trust they trusted you and delivered them to you they cried out and were saved in you they trusted and were not put to su- shame this is interesting because he's essentially saying you saved the people out of exodus the exodus story moses all that if you remember that but you're not saving me. So saying, I know you can do this, but I'm not not seeing this or experiencing this. Next, number six, which is a poor self-assessment. He says, but I'm a worm and not a man. Interesting way to pray. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me, mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. So here's what I want to say. We need to know that we can get it all out. We can vent. We can just allow to process and protest that pain. God's okay to say, hey God, this is not fair. This is not right. This is not just. I'm not experiencing what I see the person next to me experiencing. But Here's what I want to say. Take as much time as you need to vent, but don't stop there. This is really important. If you just stop at pouring your heart out, which is what some of us do, you won't experience the blessing and the peace and the healing, the renewal healing that God has got. Because here's the two other things that you need to do. The next thing you need to do is you need to ask for help. And there's just three verses, but they're super specific. And this is the prayer of the psalmist David. But you, Lord, don't be far from me. This is his prayer. He's not experiencing this, but this is what he wants. You're my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. Uh, Yes, And so those are the things. Rescue me, deliver me, save me. So ask for help, and this is equally as important. Then we need to make a transition to praise. So some of us are probably really good at the asking part. Some of us are really good at the praising part. Some of us are good at the venting part. But this pattern is to do all of those things at the same time and just allow just to get it all out and then allow ourselves to be filled. It says, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. Verse 26 says, Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. I don't have time to this in detail, but here's what I want to say. This, This passage talks about praising God by yourself. It talks about praising God with other people talks about having a barbie killing an animal and eating it maybe some of you have offended you you're a vegan I'm sorry about that maybe killing a tofu and eating that (laughs) but it talks about this idea of praise beginning to overwhelm and so we begin to speak praise even though we don't see it we begin to thank God when we do see it we begin to speak out those words of praise and this is agreement with god's goodness at the beginning i said why is it so easy for us to agree with the hurtful things of the past can i be real some of you are agreeing with something that some of your exes said whether they're ex-teachers ex-bosses ex-boyfriends girlfriends husbands wives etc etc you are still agreeing with those things When God is saying, I don't want you to agree with those things, I want you to agree with God's goodness. I want you to agree with my words. Some of you are agreeing with rejection, and God is saying, I don't want you to agree with rejection anymore, I want you to agree with acceptance. Some of you are agreeing with the fact that, like Twinkie, someone said, you'll never make anything of your life. But God's saying, you have a future, You have a purpose, you have a call. And so the invitation in that moment of praise is to agree with God. Would you do that? Just decide in your heart, even say a a quick yes if that's you, that you and we will be a people that choose to agree with the goodness of God. And so what happens is this agreement replaces The negative, the harmful, the damaging words that have been spoken. And sometimes you've got to put that agreement on repeat. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you're like those voices from the past. You'll never, you won't. You're this, you're that. But God is inviting us into a place where we can be real, but also to recognize that he is the holder and the carrier of ultimate truth. Ultimate truth. What I think about myself is not as important as what God thinks about me. It's definitely not important of what that person that doesn't even care about you has said over you because God is a good father. And this is how we can reconcile the contradiction and how we can deal with the pain that life generates. You know... I know that this process is difficult and it's challenging. But the good news is that we were never meant to and don't have to do it in our own strength. And I'm going to invite uh, Ethan back onto the keyboard. This Psalm of David became a psalm for thousands of Jewish people, which became. A psalm that Jesus spoke when he was on the cross. And if you're in pain, if you've got some stuff, if you've got, even as I'm talking, and I'm sorry if this is difficult for you in terms of your history, I don't mean to bring things up to hurt you, but sometimes the Holy Spirit brings things up to the surface so that they can be dealt with. Can we take a moment right now? If you don't mind just bowing your heads if you want to. The last part of this psalm is these four words. He has done it. God has broken the power of pain over your life. Through the cross of Jesus. This picture, what does God think about pain? We look to the cross, this picture of the suffering Savior. God saying, I know pain in all its forms. Physical pain, emotional, mental. I know separation and rejection. But here's God's word, I have overcome it. Some of what we experience in this moment may be only partial, but the power of Jesus is breaking every chain, every pain. And so what I'd invite you to do is just to say in your heart, I'm in God, I'm in, I want to be in agreement with your goodness. I'm speaking healing over relationships. I'm speaking healing over rejection, over hurts, toxic workplaces, different kinds of uh, toxic family situations or other relationships. And we are choosing to agree with God's goodness. And so God, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Really quick, a couple of things. Two quick things. We'll, We'll be done in about three minutes. For some of you, when Twinkie was talking about her decision to follow Jesus, there was something in you that resonated that you're like, I've never done that in that way. And if that's you, would you be bold enough just to put up your hand so that I can pray for you and with you in this moment, if that's you? Is there anyone here that wants to respond in that way? Okay. I also just want to, um, as I was preparing, I felt that someone uh, here may have had an issue with their left shoulder and that God wants to heal that. So left shoulder pain that's radiating up into the neck. Is that you? yeah there's two there yeah that's the left yeah jesus we just uh release your healing right now in this moment over these shoulders and we thank you for who you are that you care about us you care about our bodies and you bring healing to us awesome the final thing that i want to say just before we have some food together is this i i have an agenda Do you know what my agenda is? My secret agenda, my grand master plan for this month and this series. And my grand master plan is this. I want to encourage everyone to pray out loud every day in your own home. That's my grand master plan. Because we're talking about the power of words. And so what I would encourage you to do, pray out loud. I'm not necessarily saying you pray the lament prayer prayer in that form but just a simple prayer would you do that maybe with your kids maybe by yourself maybe with your partner but just to pray i believe that we need to start to exercise the power of our words to create these amazing atmospheres where people can find jesus and know what it is to follow him that's really good thank you so much for being here uh, in a minute, the team's going to bring um, some food to you and also some tea. Hey, if, you, um, if God was really moving and you just want to uh, either take just a couple of moments or have someone pray with you, just come down this uh, area here. There'll be a couple of people to pray. Everyone else, uh, enjoy yourself. Make sure you say day to somebody. See you next week.